We dedicate this season to friend of the pod, Christian Salisbury, a life and talent taken from the herd way too early. He will be remembered for his speed and agility, but most of all, his smile and infectious enthusiasm. If you're able, go to the link in the description and donate to the Christian Salisbury Memorial Fund and help more kids like Christian find their way to professional football. Carry that rock in peace, my friend. You will be missed. Huddle up, it's the Turf District Podcast. Welcome back to the Turf District, where we huddle up to talk all things Edmonton Elks and the CFL. And we're a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Andrew, and it is Turf District Tuesdays. Thank you for joining us for the podcast. Uh, if you've downloaded or if you've joined us on YouTube Live, or maybe you've joined us on Edmonton Sports Talk, uh, either way that you've joined, thank you so much for listening and joining in and taking some time with us. We very much appreciate it. Uh, we have a great show for you this evening as we are talking about the 2020 Elks, the season that was, and what to look forward to. But before we bring in our amazing guests, we'll bring in the usual gang, Super Fan Mike. There they are. Like and subscribe. And yep. Commissioner Kayla. Hello. How are you guys? Super duper. It's it's weird. It's one of those things. Like now that the season's over, and the, but for us, but it's still going on. You'd like. I'm just not sure what to do anymore. Yeah, I, really, I, I I'm glad it snowed. Peace out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, it's more chilly for the tailgate. I'm just saying. Yeah, you Edmonton got way less snow than we did. Yeah, yeah, way less. It's oh, and, awful. And uh, and yeah, Calgary and Saskatchewan, they were all getting majorly dumped on. So yeah, so not cool. Well, they're not, not playing cool. playoff games in Saskatchewan either. So right. Yep. No, no. Oh no. <laughs> I knew you'd be really upset, Kayla. Yeah, exactly. Well, the bummer <laughs> is that if they're not playing, that means somebody else is. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, so the, uh, before we get uh, into too much here, our, our schedule over the next little bit, uh, next week we will be taking a bye because it's Halloween and nobody's going to join us when there's <laughs> treats and chocolates. Come on. Right. Now. That's not going to happen. Uh, so the week after, though, uh, we will be back with shows right up until Grey Cup week. And uh, we'll do one afterwards to uh, catch up on all of the fun that Kayla and I have on our adventures in Hamilton. I think that's what are we're going to call it. Adventure. Yeah. yeah. Are we sure we're going to make it? Like, <laughs> oh, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. Always a way. That's right. Let's bring in our guests, uh, as yes. is our tradition on the show. Uh, for I believe every season, we've been lucky wow. enough to have these gentlemen join us at the beginning to do a preview and at the end to wrap up the season. Uh, it is our favorite radio duo, Morley Scott and Dave. Campbell, how are you guys? Terrific. Thanks for having us again. Appreciate it. It's always good to be here. 
Absolutely. Now, Dave is not showing up for some reason, so I'm just going to fix that and just make sure that we got that going. They got scared as Halloween's too close. Probably it. Yeah. It's, yeah. I said Halloween. I said chocolates. Dave disappeared. I don't know. There we going. go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How's the show going so far? Guys? Oh, it's lovely. It's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad I have no editing to do this week. It's, it's fantastic. Both Leanne um, and Ken put in the chat Dave's not here, man. They, <laughs> uh, it's for, no, that's the there's there is no Kayla. There's only Mool. That's later right. in the show. That's right. Um, all right. Well, Morley, while we wait for Dave to come back in, how are you doing? How are things? How's uh, how's life? You know, now that you're not traveling anymore for football. Uh, you know what? It's a weird week. Uh, I like. I'll just do this. Just. So. <laughs> Dave's, Dave's here at least in spirit at some I point. I see it. I see um, it. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's a weird week because you you know, and I, I know Trey Ford kind of said the same thing on uh, uh, I guess it was yesterday when yeah. they're doing the final media veils, and he just said it ends so fast, and you know you're you get in such a routine whether you're playing, coaching, broadcasting, or fans even you you do the same things every day leading up to the games and. It's weird this week because we're not doing them because there's no more games. So uh, right. it is it is kind of weird, but uh, I'm looking forward to a little uh, extra sleep and uh, a little less work during the days and just uh, enjoying some football. Fantastic. I think I got you now, Dave. Hi. There you are. <laughs> oh. By the way, when, when you talk about Halloween and spookiness, a whole bunch of things fell in the back. I, I, was, I, I think I'm just going to like just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Bring chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate Whatever you're everywhere. doing over there, just sit down and shut up. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've never heard Dave talk to his kids that way before. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, I tell you, holy man! Just when the guy pulled up to the front door with his Dad of the Year award, but he heard that, turned around, walked away. <laughs> yep. uh, I've had it happen many times. It's fine. It's all, right. it's all fine. How are you, Dave? How's how are things? Yeah, things are good. Um, I heard the back end of Morley's answer, and and that that's the hard part this week. Is now if. You know, if we were still playing, we would be a bye week anyway. But you know that it's over, and that's hard. You know, and mm -hmm. it's been a tough season. Uh, you know, I'm glad that we had a you know few good moments as well, and maybe some hope uh, down the road. But uh, when it just ends abruptly, it, it, it you know we knew it was going to end. But I mean, I think the mindset was always. You know, you don't think about the end until the end. And when the end comes, the end is really, really tough. So, but, uh, you know, it, it always takes a few days to transition uh, back into uh, normal life. And my uh, wife will recognize me again. Oh, <laughs> you're the lump that sleeps beside me. Okay, great. Um, so that would be nice to, you know, just to reconnect and rest and uh, have a little bit of, uh, you know, I'm happy for Morley. His snaps can start at 11 instead of three. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a good thing um yes i do uh i mean the second year in a row that yeah. we are meeting way too early to do our season wrap-up uh we're not even into november and here we are talking about the season that was so uh it's i i get it it's it's difficult um <clears throat> before we before we get into this whole season uh, i want to talk a little bit about the game that just happened uh right. this past saturday so very tough start. You know, they just never could recover. Uh, losing to the Bombers, 45 to 25. Uh, Bombers are a good team. They're hosting the West Final. That's kind of what we expected. But Dave, let's start with you. What, what did you see in the game? What did you think about it? 
Well, when it was 14 nothing, I know Morley and I in a break were looking at each other going, oh, boy. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is, is this going to be what it was, you know, a couple of years ago in, in Vancouver when it was the final game of that 3-7 and seven trip against the Lions and they're down, mm. like, they were down early in, you know, first four minutes by the same score and that didn't turn out well. And then all of a sudden they, you know, they start playing better football and uh, I was happy to see the fight. And then the dreaded third quarter came. Yeah. And uh, that's been, you know, a number of things have killed this team, the third quarter. And I don't have the, the, the differential, the point differential, but it's something like minus 50 or so point differential in the third quarter. They just got absolutely caved in in that quarter. And then the, the Bombers, hey, look, you know, the night before they, they had first place locked up because – you know, BC laid an egg, and the Stampeders um, had a tremendous performance, their best of the season. And you're like, well, what, how are they going to handle their their roster, and how they're going to handle Caleros, and how they're going to handle Oliveira? And and you know, it's not like it's preseason. I mean, it's you can't dress 85; you can only dress 45. Game didn't mean anything for them, but man, they uh, professional. Um, you know, they are still the class of the league, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if they're the best team in the league, but they are the class right now still. Mm -hmm. And uh, they laid a whooping on the Elks after the half. That they did. That they did. Morley, what about you? Yeah, you know, when it was 14 nothing, I'm thinking, you know, this is absolutely the worst possible start. And Bombers get the ball and score. And then the first play from scrimmage is a fumble and a scoop yeah. and score for the uh, for the Elks offensively. And it's it's 14 nothing. And it's like, oh, come on. Like, let's try and finish this up. Let's try and finish this up a little better. They came back and played much better. You know, uh, good for them for regrouping and not allowing it to get to, you know, 21, 28, nothing at that point and, and, and allowing the Bombers to run away with it early. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I think, kind of what you would expect in a game like that. That, you know, it didn't mean anything to the Elks, didn't mean anything to the Bombers, but the Bombers are still a much better team and they, probably should have won the way they did win. Uh, and, you know, and they got some guys into the game late that wanted to play and wanted to prove themselves a little bit. So, uh, yeah, it, I can't say, especially after the start, that the final score uh, surprised me. But they did so sh show some fight, which was good. Uh, and, of course, a, a kick return for a touchdown, which is something, uh, you know, um, Kayla was in grade seven when that happened last time. So, um, <laughs> Uh, it's it's been a long time. It was it was it was fun to see. It was fun to call, and it was it was kind of weird that a guy probably most people don't even know his name who are Elks fans right now. Who uh, you know, Deontes Alexander was playing just his second game of the year uh, uh, ever with the Elks, and uh, man, it was it was a beauty. It was a beauty. Uh, man, the guy can run. He just took off like a gazelle. Yeah. Uh, he's got great speed. He's a big guy, and uh, it, it looked graceful and beautiful. And it was uh, it was fun to see for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. Eight years almost of the day. Yeah. I don't know if Coach Jones was his name. He keeps calling him 81, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, super fan? Who names their kid a number? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what? Elon Musk, probably. Shut up, 27. <laughs> Wait, what? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What about you, super fan? Uh, you know, there were certainly some ups and downs. Uh, eight years ago, we started a, a great cup game down two scores, uh, offensive and defensive. Um, but this is just not that team. And I wondered how they were going to respond to that, given all they've had this year. Uh, I thought they, in the, in the second quarter anyways, or in the end of the first quarter and then the second quarter, uh, that they did very well. I mean, we ended up outscoring uh, Winnipeg 17-10. 
mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the half. Uh, and I thought good, but then as Morley said that, that, uh, or maybe David said that that third quarter just absolutely crushed us. And at that point it just didn't see, um, seem like this was in the cards for us. Uh, as I, expound upon every single episode and will do for as long as i'm allowed on the show the run game it just needs to be used a lot more i know we're down yeah but if it's a game that means nothing we should really use it a lot more um between ford and um kevin brown uh 55 yards on seven carries absolutely phenomenal like kevin brown had an 8.2 yard average and they're running them more like that's just a phenomenal average and they really should be using him i thought but Again, I'm not a coach, so what do I know? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> I I get it. Yeah, I I agree with you. The running should have been there, that, and that not was... a wishbone, not to be seen. Not right. I there was nothing else to do. Come Statue on, Statue of Liberty, yeah. flea flicker. Come on, let's get Anything. some excitement. Here. Come on, boring. Yeah. Right. Uh, what about you, Kamish? Dave, we can't see your video again for some reason. Just so that you know. Okay. What about you, Kamish? What do you think about the what game? I can see there. Come here. <laughs> yeah, I know I was uh, in, in OBS. Yeah. Well, firstly, Adam Bill, Big Hill can suck an egg. I hate how good he is. <laughs> Get out of here. I hate that. Come play for us, dang it. <laughs> um, I mean, you guys already said it. It was just what I, I, I was bored. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I, I love the fact that there was still fight left in the team and they didn't let the deficit stop them at least until the third half. But or third third half. Wow, that's a long game. <laughs> we needed a third half. <laughs> <laughs> only did, yeah. third half. That's uh, third quarter, but um it wasn't a shutout. Yay. Return kick. We're going, little Chris. We're coming for you. Right. Yeah. Uh I mean, it was a crappy way to end the season. Plain and simple. There were some shining lights, but other than that, I was bored. I'm not gonna lie. I, I cleaned my kitchen in third quarter, so <laughs> that's fair that's fair um i think lots of people did yeah morley was cleaning his kitchen in winnipeg is neat um but, but uh, the one thing that i will say i mean five sacks again uh surrendered by the by the elks now and i said this in my article usually i just lay all the blame on the o-line but i thought the o-line they were responsible for a couple of them for sure maybe three but i thought that I was just surprised there wasn't very much RPO and we didn't see like, it was like uh, Ford just standing in and, and hold on the ball too long. So I think that contributed to carries. That was it. Right. So what, what do you think Morley? Yeah. I I was really confused by that. Uh, He, he seemed like he, he didn't want to run. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to prove something that, that, uh, that he can throw the ball and, 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 and not just be that running quarterback, which isn't a bad thing. Like it seems to get some kind of a negative connotation sometimes. Right. And, and I think he's proved he can throw the ball. His completion percentage in the games he played was like 68% or something like that. So uh, he can throw the ball. He, He doesn't throw it a lot, but he throws it very efficiently. And, and I, I think, you know, we were talking to Chris Jones before the game and he was, he was kind of mentioned that this, just his decision-making wasn't there. And he said, sometimes 
you, you're rewatching the game. It's like uh, he threw there, but he should have ran, and he ran there, but he should have thrown. And right. so he, that's that's part of it. The decision making process for him has got to get better for sure. Uh, I mean, he can run and he can bring people out of their seats, and uh, he can he can razzle and dazzle and do everything. But he he's you got to do the other parts of the game too, uh, which he's going to learn to do. I, I believe I, I I think he's got a great upside, and it's going to be a really good quarterback. But he's got to straighten some things out. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's got to get better, and everybody else has got to get better around him too. He, he was, he was so season. fun to watch, though, this year. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was clamoring for him to get into the lineup. Uh, and uh, just when he got in, he just he just did what everybody expected him to do for, for five or six games. He kind of made it look easy. I, I know it wasn't, but uh, he kind of made it look that way. Uh, and then, you know, let's be honest, there's some pretty good defensive coordinators in this league. And once you give them four or five games of video of a guy, they're going to figure out a way maybe not to stop him, but at least to slow him down for sure. Yep, we can do that. That <laughs> wait, what is yeah, what is this stopping of what's stopping the run? Well, like? I, I actually yeah. have a question. Why do you think the game was so I guess conservative? Like, why wasn't there like you said, Mike, any more trick plays or something creative or just like go full guns blazing? It just seemed like a regular game with nothing to prove. It was. It was. But uh, why? But why? Yeah. I, d- I don't understand the reason behind it. Like, do you guys have any idea of why that was? Uh, I think they wanted to stick to the game plan. I think they wanted to, you know, I, I don't know if it's the right time to bring out all these razzle-dazzle things and just try and okay. the game doesn't mean anything, right? I think you still want to get your reps. You still want guys to to learn and to and to get better from, from playing a football game. And I think they wanted to stick with the game plan they've had for most of the second half of the season. Uh, they didn't really to a certain point because they didn't run the ball as much as they have in, in games past. But yeah, yeah I, I I wasn't really surprised by that. I didn't think it would be, uh, you know, the only thing out of the ordinary I expected would be to, to see some players playing a little bit more than they had during the season. But mm-hmm. again, Chris Jones even said that. He said, hey, these guys need reps. They're young. They're all young players. Most of the starters are pretty young and they need reps. And that's why he wanted to give them to them. Well, fair enough, but that's why I cleaned my kitchen in the third quarter. <laughs> well, and he also said that he wanted to evaluate, right? He He's evaluating who actually wants to be here in a game that doesn't mean anything. Here's the game plan. Go do it. And if you're doing it, then great. You get to get an invite for next year. But if you don't, well, then <laughs> maybe there's, uh, you know, other places you could be. So. I know. It still, to me, didn't, it didn't feel like a lot of, I should say a lot. There were some players that just didn't feel like they, they played their heart out yeah and you know what there might be something to the fact that winnipeg's got a pretty good defense and even if they wanted to try something or had called something they weren't able to negotiate things the way they wanted to and went a different direction you know maybe something fancy was called on some of those sacks or or whatever but uh winnipeg's a good defense and and they're hard to generate stuff against so that could be part of it too very true uh dave let's see if we can hear you go for it nope i'm gonna guess not (laughs) because <laughs> it doesn't sound it doesn't look like we have a lot of uh connectivity there i can kind of see him but that's about it I, I, anyway on obs he's not there so uh i can't wait to edit this it's gonna be so much fun okay let's uh <laughs> let's move on and and dave will join us again in just a moment i just want one more thing though I, oh yes go ahead who among us was not cheering for Manny Arsenault to get that touchdown? Oh, that I game? wanted him to get that touchdown so badly. Yeah. I mean, was... what may be his last game in green and gold. I hope not. He wants yep. to come back. Uh, Morley, you talk to him after the game. 
or sorry, in, in the avails yesterday. He wants to be there. Yeah, I'd love to be there. And I don't know if you guys heard his great. He had the great line too. He wants to come back. He wants to come back here and play for the Elks again yeah. next year. But he said he wants to change his number next yeah. year. Yeah, uh, which I thought was a great line. And I said, well, what are you going to change your number to? Like, I mean, you're 84, right? Yeah. That's you're synonymous with that. And he just said eight. Uh, eight. Right? You ever played pool? I go, yeah, pool. He just goes. Uh, Eight ball, corner pocket, game over. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That's, if yeah. you're going to go out, that's a pretty cool way to do it. So I like that line, and and I hope it gets to come come true for him. He's you yeah. know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a guy who kind of yeah. deserves that that tour yes. around the league uh, to to say goodbye to everybody for sure. But uh, and you know, and he's want, he, all season long. He said he wants to come back, so he wasn't. He's not been, and he hasn't been thinking about retiring after this year. Good. Unfortunately. Sometimes the players don't get to choose where right. they play and if they get to play again. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, he had a different role at the end of the year, right? He kind of moved down in yep. the second half into the box and became more of a, a tight end and a blocker. Right. And and But the last three games were probably, numbers-wise, the best three games of the season for him, um, especially. And back-to-back-to-back might have been the best three games he's played as a member of the Edmonton Elks. So uh, he proved he can still do it. He's, he's a great leader. He's a great teacher. He can that. give you what you need, whatever you ask of him on the field he's going to do so i hope he's back i hope he gets another opportunity to play next year i don't know if he can be a full-time player i don't know if he can play every game uh if he can be on every offensive series or not but i hope he gets a chance and an opportunity to do it because he kind of deserves to to go out you know giving it the wave to everybody around the canadian football league yeah absolutely dave looks like you're back i don't know what's going there on you are. My- <laughs> There you My are. apologies. That's all right. We we are totally understanding here. It's not a problem. It is all online, and that's what happens. So I am glad that uh, I'm glad that you returned. So, did you hear what we were talking about for the rest of the game? Oh my goodness! And now he's gone. And now he's gone. Look at that. We're just gone. Spooky thing. It kicked me out too. So what the heck? Yeah, I saw that. I brought I brought you back in. But anyway, okay, fun and games. Well, let's talk about this season, shall we? Because we need to get into the full season. Um, as jagged as this is going, but we will figure it out. Um, now it was a it was a very long season. <laughs> Even yet, though I know we perfect. we all said it was short, it ended mm-hmm. quickly, but. I mean, let's be honest. It was a long season. That first uh, half, anyway. Yeah. We watched the Elks put up another four and fourteen record. Uh, started kind of disastrous at zero and nine. A uh, little bit better kind in the of. second half. Um, I'm trying to be nice. Like, come on. It was, it was okay. It was a disaster. A um, couple of positives. I mean, we did break the losing streak at home. Yes. We uh, had a big comeback against Calgary that was very exciting. Uh, we did see some exciting ball through that last stretch. Even in some of the losses, there was some exciting moments. Uh, but Morley, let's let's ask you, what was kind of the highlight of the season for you? Uh, the highlight for me, I think, was was watching Trey Ford develop. I mean, uh, yeah. he, he gave us more excitement in, the, what did he start, 10 games? Uh, than I think we've had in the last couple of years. I know there's a lot of excitement last year at the end of the year with Dylan Mitchell and and Kevin Brown, uh, but uh, this was different because everybody's been waiting for somebody at quarterback to kind of take the reins and step up and win some games and, 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 you know, play really well. And he, he did that. And again, lots of stuff to learn, uh, lots of stuff to, to be better at, but he, uh, he took some steps and, and to me, that's the, 
that's what comes out of this season for me is that maybe the Elks found their quarterback. Uh, you know, they kind of been looking for one since Michael Riley left. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, maybe they uh, maybe they found the guy that's going to lead them in into the, the next couple of years uh, with Trey Ford. So let's let's certainly hope so. We'll see how he comes back. And and again, you know, Chris Jones stressed it's going to be a competition next year at training camp and uh, mm-hmm. uh, which it should be. Right. I mean, let's yep. you don't want to you don't want to anoint uh, next year's starter the day after you get eliminated from the uh, play your last game of the regular season. Right. So um, it should be a competition. And, and Trey knows that and he'll be up for it, I'm sure. And Taylor Cornelius knows that and he'll be up for it as well. So, um, yeah, it's that that's to me, that's the bright spot uh, from from the whole season. Breaking the, the losing streak at home. That was that was a cool night. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I noticed the fans as much that night since probably the 2015 Western Final. Right, uh, the fans mm-hmm. were were just awesome that night, and we're just we're just loving it. Um, I, I also remember back in 2000 and tw- uh, what was the three and or the four and fourteen year? I guess it was 2013. 13 right and i remember when they they ended i think it had like a 10 or 11 game losing streak and some of the players at the end of a win i think it was over winnipeg actually went up into the stands and were were talking with fans after the game ended and everything i remember that i remember the 2015 uh western final and then i'll remember that uh, that win over over ottawa to end this uh, home losing streak because that was a it was a pretty cool night Uh, it's funny i had uh, tanner green on uh, the Antler Up uh, podcast yeah. that I do for the Elks. And I, I, one of the questions I ask everybody is your favorite football memory. And he said that game. Uh, he said there was yeah. just something special about that game. And, and that's something he'll always remember. So uh, that's the takeaways for me, ending the, ending the losing streak at home and, and seeing Trey Ford develop. Oh, those are those are great highlights. Uh, super fan, you got a highlight from the year? I mean, it's hard to go against that um... – that win at home against Ottawa, it was just like the one thing I noticed is we were up late and nobody was leaving. Like uh, in yeah. many times before, whether we're winning or losing, a lot of people leave because they want to catch the LRT early before the crowd gets out and everything else. Um, but everyone stayed. And after the game, everyone was still sitting around and just cheering and hugging each other and everything else. The other thing I'll remember is that comeback win versus yeah. Calgary. Yeah. And seeing Dean Faithful, who had been dogged a lot in social media by a lot of people, who you know he's not doing great. He at that point he'd only missed like two field goals, so yeah. I'm not sure where that sort of came from. But um, to get that walk off, to do the Queen Wave, um, and I think he really, I mean, he turned into a, a meme at that point because <laughs> you were seeing people in. I mean, I did it, and a lot of people in my section were doing it. every time he kicked a field goal or a convert, everyone sort of stood up and did the, the queen wave and everything else. It was fantastic. Um, so I think those are the memories I'll take a look back at this season with. Um, certainly more than the losing streak, it'll be the ending of the losing streak. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Commissioner. Oh, goodness me. Picking just one seems impossible. Uh, although our team you know, we didn't do any better than last year. So not exactly disappointing, but not something that I was looking forward to. I was hoping for one more win, you know, a gradual process of three wins, four wins, five wins, but it didn't happen. Uh, You guys kind of pointed them all out. And I mean, breaking those streaks is a phenomenal feeling of winning at home, then getting the return touchdown. Like they're all so amazing. 
not getting kicked out of the locker room was also amazing. (laughs) (laughs) There were some moments I probably should have been. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I think though, like for me on just a personal level, not so much on the football was just, I think this was my best and most fun year I've ever had in football. And it's a huge part of tailgating and my seatmates. I felt like, I don't know, I just came to life football-wise, and I've learned a little bit more um, talking with the players, talking with the coaches. It just felt more like the CFL family came together for me more this year than ever before. So 2023 was a phenomenal year for me, un-game-related. <laughs> but as a whole, like, how could you not that home win? Like more, it was just like the West Final. It was just electric. I was crying. People around me were crying and hugging. There was this one lady in the crowd who actually like looked up, like, like she didn't know what was going on. She was so confused that she saw people crying. It was like, okay, and we're all just like, oh, it happened. But yeah, it was just, it's it, it's been a phenomenal year. And I just like to point out, 2013 was a. a only a four win season and then 2015 we won so i think we can look forward to a 2025 gray cup win once again we'll just have to we'll keep the pattern we'll keep the pattern but yeah yep. it's been a phenomenal year and thank you every everyone every yeah so <laughs> well this 10 year will go for a lot longer but uh, i think we have dave back on audio so dave tell us uh, what was your highlights of the season can you hear me now? We can. Yes. Oh, even Ooh. crystal clear, Dave Campbell. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's, That's good. Amazing. Yes. Shh. Wait for it. Hello, Leanne. Very nice. There it is. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, the tradition continues. That's good. I have my top three. Oh, wonderful. Excellent. Um, they're kind of out of order, but whatever. Uh, the first one was the home losing streak ending, and uh, I was. I was pretty emotional. I, I had tears in my eyes, and I all I could say was, home losing streak, see yourself out. And it was awesome. so vindicating. It was just awesome. Uh, the second one was to come back winning the rematch. And I went ballistic at the end. Um, I, I don't know what the hell I was doing, <laughs> honestly, but I, I was just so excited when, well, first of all, um, being that my night's going the way it's going with damn camera won't work, my phone won't work, <laughs> I can self-deprecate pretty well right now. Um, so Trey Ford goes nuclear in the fourth quarter. Morley knows yep. exactly where I'm going to go in here. Um, and, and then, uh, so they get the, the PI call after the review. And then I think that one more play and I start freaking out going, Trey <laughs> spiked the ball. Trey spiked the ball. Spiked the ball, Trey. What are you doing? I'm going, Oh, Dave thought it was Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Oh, oh, the clock stopped. Everything's okay. And it's funny because Brendan next to me is going the same, same way. He's actually waving his hands going, why is he spiking the ball? And we're like, oh, yeah, it's a CFL. Never mind. It's okay. So then I just start setting it up for Morley. And here's Dean Faithful with here's the field goal. And then I did not realize Morley said jolly good until after the game awesome. because I ripped my headset off. I start screaming in just, just joy. I start high-fiving anyone I could. And I was just so happy. I was just so happy. The third moment was in Hamilton. That's a great stadium, and that place sucks to call a game. I'm just going to say that right now. It absolutely sucks. Plus one. Yeah. 
but that was the game where we had the delay for uh i believe it was an hour and 47 minutes because yeah. we saw sheets of rain we have not seen in a long long time um so what time did the broadcast end marley was it what time did we walk out was it before midnight uh it, it was uh it was after we left because i remember the uh the uber receipt i got i what day of the week was that game i can't remember it was thursday it was it's a thursday yeah thursday mm-hmm. because the uber receipt i got going back to the hotel said uh thanks for your taking an uber on friday morning so okay. it was after midnight <laughs> yeah. that we left so yeah so the was, reason uh, i'm bringing night. yeah the reason i'm bringing this up is because um you know like what's the big deal right so when the rain delay happened, Morley and I looked at each other and the color of our faces started to drain and we go pale white because we had a 3.30 wake up because our flight out of Hamilton was at 6 a.m. And we're like, holy crap, uh, that three hours sleep is gone now. It ended up being 90 minutes. Uh, we go to Hamilton and if you've ever been to or the Hamilton airport, if you've ever been to that Hamilton airport, it's yeah. the weirdest airport I've ever seen in my life. It's a glorified Bus station. <laughs> yeah. And an Fair. airport hangar. That's all it is. They don't even have chaos. You can't, you have to go right to the desk. Like, what is this, 1987? What the heck is going on here? Hey, don't so that, that, that year. The, that was the funny moment. And of course, that was a good moment because that was our first win as well. So those are my top three the, uh, mm. the home losing streak ending, then uh, me forgetting a rule, and then going nuts after the uh, win in the rematch, <laughs> and then uh, the uh, win in. Hamilton with uh, no sleep, heading to a six. If I can flight. go, if I can go back to the uh, the walk off by Dean Faithful, uh, as as they're setting up the play, Dave's standing and I'm sitting, and Dave puts his hand on my shoulder. I'm like, that's different. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then as 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 the field goes going up, I can feel. Dave pushing down on my shoulder as the ball's <laughs> traveling, and and uh, I don't know what would have happened if it would have been wide. I might have had an injury or something. But he uh, he pushes down, and then he starts to jump, and then I feel a hug, and I go, "Oh, Dave's getting Dave's reverted back to fan. This is pretty cool." So yeah, it was a it was a I'll I'll attest to it, it was a pretty emotional moment for Dave in the booth. Man, yeah. we wish it, there was video in there. Yeah, I, I want to go watch a game with you guys and see how this goes. But uh, Dave, you had you had another um, excellent. Uh, I mean, not a good moment on the field, but a great moment uh, as kind of the fan kind of coming out when when uh, CJ did not get the ball out of the end zone in Saskatchewan. Oh. And, I, I mean. I personally love the call. I love the, you know, like, oh, see, oh, see, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Like you can just hear it all the way viral. It's it's funny. I, I, I left the stadium. I'm thinking, oh man, I, that was awful. We just screwed that up so bad. And then, uh, we get back to the, uh, get back to the hotel and Dave and I listened to it and, because I had it forwarded to on my phone by then with from our archives and yeah yeah and then I started to get messages from people just saying man you guys were saying exactly what we're saying you guys yeah. said that you nailed it you yeah. just said exactly what everybody felt and I thought okay and then somebody put together our call um, along with uh, with Michael Ball and yeah. Luke Mullinder's call right. and it was basically just four grown men yelling he's got to get it out he's got to get yeah. it out right and, <laughs> and I, their I call guess said every, that was pretty much win. the sentiment of, of what was going on uh, in that situation so yeah that's uh, actually yeah. not a not a great result but that's a pretty pretty interesting memory too something that uh, that uh, I hadn't seen before in in a play like that especially you know you'd seen it usually you see 
if guys forget about it, like it's usually in the preseason, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And not mid-season like that and not at a crucial point in the game that's end up costing you the game as well. So yeah, memorable night. Not a great result, but certainly a memorable night. And we if did. I can if I can add too, I am unapologetic for being the the broadcaster that roots for the Elks. Yeah. I am yeah. not an unbiased neutral. I don't work for TSN. I want this team to win. I care about this team. And I am unapologetic about it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm unfair to the opposition, but I w- there's only one team on that field that I want to win, and it's the Edmonton Elks. I love that. And if they're not playing well, he'll tell you that, too. No yeah. <laughs> sure. The 27-0 loss at home before all the changes oh. happened. Um, there was one moment, I can't remember why, or why I did this or what happened. I mean, that game was horrific. I just grabbed my fist, my right hand, and I slammed it on the table as hard as I could. And my hand probably worked for or hurt for about three, four days. <laughs> oh, so, man. you know, I, you know, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. There's no question. Yeah. Also, side note, uh, four guys yelling, get the ball out. That's the title of the podcast. Okay. Uh, <laughs> super fan, you're going to say something. I was just going to say, like, we just found so many unique ways to lose a game this year. Oh. <laughs> and it was... I mean, in 2013, we lost a lot of games by a touchdown or less. Um, And it felt like we had a lot of the personnel to make it happen. This one just felt like it was a comedy of errors up until the bye week where we would have three cracks from the one and lose the game in the, the game versus Saskatchewan mm-hmm. to, to yeah. open the season. And, and, and then the CJ Sims not running the ball out and taking the knee. It just like every week it was just like, how are they going to do it again? And then, yeah, breaking a lot of, of of making history for the wrong reason where we lost uh for the first time ever lost or was shut out twice by the same team in the same year in fact the first shutout since 1976 and all these things and it was just it was so tough and i think that's why that first home win was just so magical to so many people yeah that's what stands up for me too you're, you're right just inventing ways to lose and i mean in the Saskatchewan games, you lose by a yard and you lose by a point. And the point yeah. came on a rouge late, uh, which was just crazy. And and the three games where they had big leads, right? You know, they were yeah. up 22 nothing on Winnipeg. They're up 21-3 on Montreal. They're right. up at 15 points on Labor Day in Calgary. Yeah. And, I mean, every team gives up a lead every year, right? Sure. Every team has a game like that, but not three. I mean, so you win two of those. You win one or two of the Saskatchewan games, and all of a sudden maybe – we're all talking tonight about the fact that somebody's got to lose this week so the Elks can make the playoffs. Or right. maybe they had played themselves into, into a position by, by getting enough wins because, you know, if they hold on against Calgary, that takes one loss to get way against Calgary. They win those two games against Saskatchewan. You know, that's that's a four-game swing right there. They get two wins yeah. and Saskatchewan loses two wins. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, and then the third quarter, uh, you know, the, the drop passes early in the season lost them some games. The third quarter mishaps lost them some games. Uh, yeah, it was. You're right, Mike. That was maybe the the most frustrating thing. It's like yeah. we you didn't know how they were going to lose. And I remember during the during the long break in in Hamilton during the delay, I, we're talking about the rule that this game could be forfeited, right? Uh, yeah. Because of right. the delay, if it went too long, and I'm thinking, well, they got the lead, but the game might not end up counting. I mean, that's another way they figured out how to <laughs> win a football game, right. right? So it was just all season long stuff was coming up where they were they were snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, it seemed. Yeah, and it just, I mean, we were a young team, right? So it just seemed like we were showing every week how young we are yeah. by them just not knowing 
all these rules. But I mean, we talked about it at the uh, a lot <laughs> over the year and uh, today, talking about how that first nine game losing streak uh, to start the season, um, and then we finally got the bye after the eighth week. So, what are your thoughts? We've already talked about it on the weight for this change and then everything that happened after that. So my thought is, you know, when people are saying Trey Ford should have started earlier, uh, um, okay, out of camp was not, that wasn't the right time. Uh, it was Taylor's ball. It was Taylor's spot. He he earned it. So, and then they also played five games in 25 days. When are you going to make a change there? Right. Um. You know, they had a couple weeks where they played on the same day, and then I think the game between uh, the Winnipeg game in Winnipeg and the and the and that second shutout uh, against the Lions was nine days, but that's not enough time. The bye week is when you do it. Um, and also, for people who are saying that Trey Ford should have started earlier, I going, you know what? I I don't necessarily uh, disagree with that, but at the same time, do you want Trey Ford under Stephen McAdoo's offense? Yeah, you know, I didn't want that. You know, I didn't want that I, for him. I don't know if I said that I wanted him to start, but I would have been interested to see him getting some reps because in that game where we're losing, you know, 27 oh. nothing, or the game in BC, even 22 nothing, even just getting him in there to get some reps so we know what we have. But and I think there, were, there was something deeper too going on behind yeah. the scenes. Um, you know, uh, people say personality clash. I just say maybe it's just a, maybe a disagreement of philosophy. Let's just maybe. say that. Um, but then Jerry's Jackson, you got to give him credit because, uh, sure. when he took over, he said, we, you know, I love, I like Taylor a lot, but we don't have time to get Taylor's confidence back. We can't wait. Right. So mm -hmm. we got to push him down to three. So at the time he said, it's between, uh, Trey Ford and Jared Daggy. Then Trey Ford gets the ball the rest of the way. Um, wasn't it, it like the first day of practice though? He was like, no, it's going to be Trey Ford. Like they, it wasn't yeah. even, yeah. Like they said it was going to be both, but then as soon as the first day of practice was over. It's like, yeah, no Trey starting. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, there we go. We're ready to go. Yeah. They did present it like uh, that first week of practice was going to be like a training right. camp and yeah. the winter. But I, I think probably that was like the Monday of the bye week. And I think to the rest of they decided, Hey, we got to give a guy a chance, give him lots of reps in practice and make oh, sure fair. he's got time to, to learn the playbook for sure. I, I I'm like Dave, uh, you know, I wanted to see Trey Ford play a lot yeah. more, a lot earlier. I wanted to see him start earlier, but I, I'm kind of, taking the devil's advocates role a little bit in this uh chris jones maybe waited uh, obviously the bye week was a good time to make the move just because it gave everybody the time to get comfortable uh but sure. maybe they made that move because that's when trey ford was ready maybe in their mind they didn't feel trey ford was ready to get the start after you know the sixth game or the seventh game or whatever and i know uh i watched uh, every every day one or day two i'll tape uh, the antler up podcast and we go up to the joey moss suite uh, and I usually get up there first and I'm waiting for the player who's, who's on the podcast to come up and join me and I'll look down the field and uh, for the last, for the, probably the, the five weeks before the four or five weeks before the change was made, it's one guy out in the field with a bunch mm -hmm. of footballs and a target net and it's Trey Ford and he's faking the snap and he's rolling right. to the left and throwing at targets and he's rolling to the right. And he did that for half hour, 45 minutes. And I, I don't know if he did it every day, but he did it every day. I was there and I saw him do it. And, and he was working hard to, I think, to earn the coaches. I, I don't know if respect is the right word, but just to let the coach know that he's doing his part to be ready yeah. for when the change comes and they made the change. And, and because it was successful, you know, people are going, well, they should have done it sooner. I don't, 
don't know if it's that easy or not to to say if you would have done it earlier, uh, the same results would have come. So we'll see. I I, I don't know. Uh, that's just my my take on it. I, I think I think the the move was made at the right time because Trey obviously was ready and the team was ready for the change as well. I don't know if that was the same situation. Plus the change at OC helps as well. So yeah, uh, I don't know if everybody was was ready two or three weeks before to make that kind of a change. One thing I noticed as well is I mean. Brett Boyko started just a couple of games before that as well. Mm-hmm. And that really changed that offensive line. For sure. Yeah. He was, he was a big addition. Like he's a big solid veteran guy. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he knows the CFL a little bit. Uh, he had played because he was in, I don't know if it was the USFL or the XFL, but he was, he was right. playing in, in, in one of those leagues and uh, had a little time off to rest and then jumped right in and, and played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, when he got in, really, the line was much better. Really, was kind of solidified at that point. And Martez Ivy, I think, you know, played pretty good on the other side, and that that's what helped, you know, give give Trey the protection, especially in the first few games to run like he did. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, I was just making sure no one else was gonna. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Okay. That's a good pause. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. So. You know, the defense have had a lot of ups and downs. We have some star players, obviously, on that team. But uh, it's it, just a lot of inconsistency as a whole, um, especially in the backfield. But what are your guys' assessment for the entire season for that defensive team? You know, it uh, started off pretty well. You know, I thought they played pretty well in week one. I thought they played uh, pretty well in week two in, in that first shutout in BC. Just, you know eventually they wear down because their offense can't do anything. Right. Um, Then they slipped against the Argos, slipped in Ottawa against the Red Blacks, played really well against the Riders. Um, And then it just was pretty hit and miss after that. I mean, their run defense wasn't good. Um, You know, their their average points allowed uh, per, uh, uh, per game in the whole 18 games was I calculated 27.3. And the and and I I uh, broke it up into three segments. So the and I did offense too. So first eight games, uh, defense allowed twenty four point six points. Offense only scored twelve point four. Mm. The four and two stretch twenty seven and a half points four, and then allowed twenty five point five. And in that stretch, they played some good defense in some parts. They played right. well against Hamilton, although they got kind of fortunate because Mark Legia wasn't very good that day. Yep. Um, they played pretty well against Ottawa. They gave up a late touchdown, but whatever. That doesn't matter. They played well for three quarters on Labor Day and then blew it in the fourth quarter. Um, they played well for uh, one quarter uh, in the rematch game. They were really, really good. And then they did kind of the same thing in Saskatchewan where first half was iffy, second half got better, fourth quarter they locked it down. Then, then after that, you know, uh, the, the, the 0-4 stretch, they allowed 32 points per game. They only scored yeah. 18 and a half. So the defense isn't good enough. And, you know, Chris Jones is known as a defensive guru. I'm still waiting. Um, I think we're all still waiting. And, you know, my thing with Chris Jones is this, and I, I think he should come back, and he will come back. Um, Trey Ford gives the, the team some hope and the fan base some hope. But, you know, I hear some things – you know, he says, I want to run the football. Well, you better find a way to do it then. We got to be better on special teams. Well, you better find a way to do it then. We got to play better on defense. Well, you're going to rely on kids that are in their first, second year. Now they're going to go in year two, three. We better see a difference next year, you know, because yeah, right now it's talk. And I think it's 
you know, I, I do have some confidence that maybe this team is going to learn some lessons, but they go 0-1 and 24, all the talk's going to surface and bubble again. Right. So true. What do you think, Merle? Uh if, if I'm talking about the defense, uh, to go back a little bit, uh, to me they were some really good defensive players, but not a very good defense. I mean, right. <laughs> guys who made good plays and had good years, but the defense overall – wasn't a good year. And I think the best way to think about it is their points wise, their best two games were uh, uh, Hamilton, where they gave up 10, and Saskatchewan, yeah. where they gave up 11. They're one and one in those games, right? So uh, they didn't get a lot of help from their offense during the year. Uh, a, get staying on the field longer to give them some rest and scoring points for them in, in, in certain aspects of the game. But yeah, I don't, I, I think it's going to be up to the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball and not just Chris Jackson, DC, but all the other coaches as well to make sure this is a better defense this year because they've got good players. I mean, AC Leonard had a great year. Jake Sarazen had a great year. Niles Morgan had a good year. They got a lot of the rookies in the defensive backfield for the most part. They played pretty well. Um, Kai Gray, I think, was a great find. Bratton played well uh, this year. Marcus Lewis was really good till he got hurt. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see Donovan Olamba in a, in a full right. season. So they've got players, but I don't know if it's the system or what, but for whatever reason, they're good defenders on a bad defense, which really doesn't equate to me. That shouldn't be what happens, right? That's so, coaching, isn't it? I would think so. Yeah. So you got to figure that out. You got to figure that out. And like I say, it's going to be up to the coaching staff to uh, get the best out of those guys and make sure they work together and and become a, a defense that that plays for a full game like that's not just the defense and <laughs> yeah. offense too i mean that was to me that's the problem all year and, and it, you know they they talked about their model kind of being to finish and they didn't finish much this year right uh they finished early that's about all i mean they had uh a lot of games where they had a lead and couldn't hold it a lot of right. games where they got behind early and then got the offense going but weren't able to come back enough to to, to get the win. So yeah, finishing will be the big thing for next year. And let's be honest, you're right. A lot of that's going to be on the coaching staff. And I think that's why for Chris Jones, who as I believe he should come back as well. I think he should get the opportunity. Uh, I got two trains of thought on that. He should get the opportunity to finish the job, right? I mean, mm -hmm. two, it, it was a mess. Everybody knows yeah. it was a mess when he got here and it's taken him some time to clean it up. He's got the core group there uh, even more so than last year. And now now he's got to do some coaching and and get that team to take the next step, and, and that's going to be it's going to be on the players. It's always on the players, but they got to get help from the coaching staff uh, yeah. to do that. And the other reason why I think Chris Jones has to come back is I don't want to start over again. I agree. You know, I like agree. that's the thing. You bring in a new guy, then you're going through the whole cycle again. Like, who's who does he like at quarterback? What kind of quarterback does he like? What kind of right. defenders does he like? I mean, we just spent two years getting the body types and the guys who play the way Chris Jones likes, likes them to play in, especially on defense, you know, to get those six foot two uh, defenders and all that stuff. And, 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 and I don't want to have to go through that again. And I don't think the fan base uh, deserves to go through that again, because it's, it's happened, you know, you, you went through it with, with, uh, with Sunderland and, and then they, re, you know, they, they were going through it before that. And then they, they do it all over again with, with Chris Jones. I don't think it's fair to make everybody go through it again in, in another, in just two years after they did it already once. So, well, uh, and yeah, we haven't even reasons. had, we haven't even had that foundation. 
this full year, like we, you look at Cornelius and Trey Ford, the whole swap there, and even a football organization with Victor leaving too. Yeah. Like we have not had one year of just a consistency yeah. of flow through responsibilities. Like it's been up and down. So I totally yeah. agree with you, Marley. Yeah, and and I and I honestly I he gets his knocks and and mm-hmm. I think it's unfair in a lot of cases and I think there's a lot of those national media types out there uh or those who see see themselves as national media types out there who have a grudge against Chris Jones for some reason I I think uh, he it hasn't shown this time around in Edmonton but I think he's a good coach uh I think he's a, an excellent talent evaluator and I think he's a pretty good guy for the position that he came in to fill here uh to to do the rebuild I think it's taken longer than people expected he did it in in a year and a bit in Edmonton before he did it in a year and a bit in Saskatchewan and I think people were expecting the same thing here but it's different circumstances here now um you know in the CFL you got you can't it's harder to get players it, it, because you can't you know players have options now with the XFL and the USFL you can't scout like you used to scout you can't hold the Chris Jones was notorious for holding all those camps every weekend during the offseason but now the CFL won't let teams do that you can only have I think six or seven camps uh free agent camps during the offseason and Chris Jones he would go out uh, like this guy he's it's phenomenal how hard he works um to do stuff uh, he he would go out and he would hold you know, camps every weekend and he would find players from those camps. He would bring them in after finding players like Dexter McCoyle and, and a lot mm. of guys that we saw in the 2015 championship team. And uh, he wanted to do it again, but the league it won't, I, I don't want to say won't let him, they won't let anybody do that anymore right. and, and go out and scout. So I think times are a little different and I, I wouldn't say he's having trouble adapting to it. I think everybody's having trouble adapting to it and, and he's trying to find a way around it, which is what he's, what he did last year and what he's doing this year he's getting in his car some point next week and he's driving home and uh he's going to stop at every school along the way that he can find and he's going to go and talk to the coach and he's going to go watch some practices and he's going to go watch some scrimmages and he's going to just try and find players and uh he was telling dave and i when we talked to him on friday last week in winnipeg and i, I asked him i said well you did that last year any examples of guys and he said kai gray he said, I found right. that guy. He said, some town. I, it had a long name and I didn't recognize it. And it, was <laughs> a, it was obviously a small town somewhere. And he was, he is a guy who fell through the cracks. And, uh, you know, he said, he phoned G Roy and said, get him on the neg list right now. And they ended up, mm-hmm. signing, and, you know, he's going to, I assume when the, uh, when the uh, nominations are announced tomorrow, that he's going to be named the Elks uh, uh, top rookie. Uh, when the announcement comes out. So that's one example of what he did. And he's doing the same thing this year. He's just going to drive home and he's probably going to take a month to do it. And he's going to stop and talk to as many coaches and as many football players as he can to, to build relationships and to continue relationships that he started to build last year so that he can, he can bring players in. So off of an extension, like, sorry, Andrew, but this is a question for both you guys. We've heard players before saying they would run through a brick wall for Chris Jones and like, players of old they they absolutely love him what was the body language like on the players on this roster did you sense the same affection from a lot of them towards much chris better jones roster. much better roster much better character um mm. last year's team there was a few hand well handful of guys because the thing is with the team to have the well soured you don't need 20 you sometimes you just need two right mm-hmm. And I'd say there was a handful of players who were checked out quite early and they were just here because they were here and honestly just did not give really. Two hoops. Yep. 
about about their team and their teammates and their and their coaching staff. This is a better. This was a better roster. Um, they came to work every week with a good attitude. Um, everyone seemed to enjoy each other. I mean, there were some battles. Like Eugene Lewis is a real big smack talker, man, and he and Kai Gray got out got into it almost every day, every week. And you know, Ed Gainey was kind of uh, Kai's. Uh, mentor or I don't, know, I don't know handler is the right word but basically he would step into and like Gino just doesn't shut up he just he just gets under people's skin but you know they go to the locker room and it's over you know I talked to Ed about it a lot and it's over once you hit the locker room it's done and I think that was good where I think in you know 22 there was too much of that going in the locker room right mm -hmm. so uh, much better group now now that they're a much better group and everyone likes each other go win football games yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like everybody more when you're winning. That's the thing that they got. Yeah. Out. I'll I'll say this about the the players and Chris Jones. I never I never met one player who who didn't have good things to say about Chris Jones and enjoy playing for him. Uh, or you know, the, some of them have different relationships with him. I'm sure. I, I I know that you know the defensive players and the offensive players probably do because he's also the DC. But here's here's my take on it. They're a, an zero and nine team. At 0-9, did you ever see them quit in a game? I, I don't recall them rolling over and not playing. I recall them fighting hard when they're 0-9, when they're 1-9, when they're 2-9, whatever the record was. When they were 0-9, we weren't really thinking about the playoffs. We were wondering if they were going to possibly win a game Correct. the rest of the season, yeah. right? And they manage the, the teams that don't like their coach don't play like that after you're 0-9, you know? and. Fair. And Chris Jones said it himself, and, and again, he said it again yesterday. He said, you know, we probably practice harder than most playoff teams do, practice harder and practice better than most playoff teams do because our guys care that much. And I was I was surprised all season long, you know, through 0-5, 0-6, 0-7, you talk to guys about their attitudes, and they say, we just need a win. We're going to get rolling. We, they were mm -hmm. confident all season long, which to me that comes from the top. And that's that's Chris Jones who was able to deliver them the message to to stay the course, just get your reps, do your job, uh, go through the process, and hopefully we'll get a break. Because let's be honest, they didn't get many breaks the first nine games of the year, and when they got some, they started to win and they got better. And and I'll say it again, they didn't quit. They didn't quit on their coach. Um, we've seen teams quit on their coach, and that's the last half of this season's not what that looks like. Yeah, yeah he good. seemed a bit softer this year. A kinder, gentler man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think, I, I, especially when you compare him to uh, fourteen and fifteen, I think he's, right. mm -hmm. he's a little, uh, he's older, wiser, and understands the athlete, the pro athlete nowadays, and understands what his role is on the team and in the community. And I mean, Andrew, you got the great story with your son going to practice. Yeah. Like, uh, how many awesome. coaches? I wonder how many coaches around the league would do something like that. Right. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know, when he came and he took your son and talked to him and took him down on the field for practice. I mean, uh, that's a pretty cool moment. And and yeah. I've seen him do all sorts of things like that through the season. And uh, he's got a different look at what his role is and what he means to the organization moving forward. And and I think, I think everybody. There's a lot. Of, there's, there's a lot of sp split emotions on him, whether he's good for the franchise or not. I think once they start to win, uh, people will people will fall in love with Chris Jones again because he's just he's just that kind of guy. The accent, the the way he cares about it, the the way he works about it. Uh, I'm. Uh, you, I'm a Chris Jones fan. You can tell that, and 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 I've I've enjoyed my time with him. You know, this is four years now. I've been around him, and and he's been great for me and Dave. And he talks to us and tells us things and helps us with our broadcast. He just understands better 
now about what is required of the job for him, and he's better at it. Yeah. Still got to win, though, right? It all comes right. down to wins. You know, whatever. Well, you can say whatever you want about anybody, but in pro sports, it comes down to wins. And I think next year's the year that uh, he's got to win some football games. Yeah. Well, he's welcomed Andrew and I in the media scrum. Like, yeah. it's been very receptive. I don't do a diddly squat. I just hold a camera, and he still looks at me and involves me in the conversation. And I'm like, ah, this is very intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had a couple of really – other than the the time where he took Nathan, I mean that was amazing. But uh, I've had a couple other times. You guys, uh, we we've been there too, where you know we've turned the mics off and we're just having conversation, yeah. and it, you know, like I've found a whole new respect for. Different. Okay, what once you have his trust, then okay, he'll have that conversation with you, and it was okay. It felt it felt pretty nice. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm. I am a fan as well, and we all know where I started from. Dave, you remember when we had the conversation about who was going to be coming in, and I was like, really? <laughs> Two years no. ago. Yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but I, all right, he's won me around. I admit it. I, I Time's up, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we get to a quick hoard and tell here, super fan, um, I want to do a quick round the table on some of the awards for this year. So oh, boy. Just, uh, you know, like just... Do we, does it be who, just who do you pick? So let's start yeah. with uh, let's start with uh, the you know MOP. We'll start right from the top. So uh, Dave, who do you who are you, who are you voting MOP? Are we just picking the the MOP winner and a runner up, or are we just going sure. go straight? Yeah. Okay, so yep. I'll do this in reverse order. My runner okay. up is okay. Kevin Brown. Yes. Okay. My MOP is Trey Ford. All right, Morley Scott. Trey Ford, for me, he's, he's the guy who turned the season around, right? Uh, uh, my second choice would be Jerry Jackson, maybe, but I don't think he was on the ballot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I really my second vote was for Jake Ceresna. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Super fan. Nice. Yeah, I actually had exactly the same as Dave. I had uh, Kevin Brown as a runner-up, a six-point yard uh, per carry average. That's pretty impressive, over 186 carries. And then Trey Ford, like, everyone says like he is the straw that's stirring our drink he's making it fun to go watch the team again whether it's at the stadium or in in person so all right yeah, on tv so all right fair enough kayla oh this was hard i didn't do a runner-up but i'll i'll say <laughs> unanimous it's trey ford but as my runner-up completely i more of a core guy and not so much of like he's not going to be mlp but i i like you said it i was it more about manny arsenal like the guy is just a leader and a motivator. And like for me personally, listening to him and, and reading his stuff on Twitter, I feel better about myself in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> There's, that's fair. There's an award for him, I think. Um, uh, yep. Yeah, there, there should be. Um, all right. Most, uh, I'm just going to say the same thing, Kevin Brown and, and uh, Trey Ford. Uh, all right. Most outstanding Canadian. Oh, Morley, start with you. Well, if he's your most outstanding player, he's got to be your most outstanding Canadian, right? Uh, Trey yeah. Ford. Um, so, yeah, that's to me, that's that's pretty easy, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, super fan. Yeah, uh, I actually, uh, I mean, same thing, Trey Ford. Uh, you can't be most outstanding uh, player as a Canadian and not be most outstanding Canadian, I don't think. Right, right. Um, I mean, there were certainly other Canadians, I think, that did well. Gavin Cobb is one that sort of, uh, I think, came around this last year how excited everyone was when he got his first touchdown so mm -hmm. maybe he could be a runner-up but i mean it's it's all trey 
All right. Uh, yeah, I'll go Trey just because we had uh, MOP. But my runner-up is Adam Konar because I thought he actually Ooh. had a very good season as a Canadian. That was my pick. Commissioner. Uh, don't forget, Dave. <laughs> just so you know. I know. Uh, I'm getting wrong. Okay, Never okay, okay. Okay. Well, I, I guess it's a sweep again. I probably is Trey Ford. But, uh, yeah, I agree with Mike. Shout out to Gavin Cobb. Like, if Trey wasn't Trey, then it would be Gavin in my eyes. <laughs> Fair enough. Dave? Uh, so my uh, my MOC was the MOP, his Trey mm-hmm. Ford. My runner-up was Noah Curtis. Mm, good yeah. call. I, I selected. Good call. I had Curtis, too, as my second choice on the ballot. So. Oh, that's, that's good. That is another good pick. All right. Most outstanding defensive <sighs> player, super fan Mike. Um, with 107 tackles, uh, which is yep. good enough for second in the league and first on the team, four sacks, Four tackles for a loss and interception. Got to be Niles Morgan. You really noticed as much as Jones was as a good backup when he wasn't there, Niles Morgan just really made this defense different. Uh, for a, a second pick, it was pretty tough for me between AC Leonard and Jake Ceresna. Their, their numbers are very similar. I kind of gave the nod to Leonard. Uh, he had 45 tackles, 12 sacks, which was good again for number two in the league. Uh, three tackles for a loss and two forced fumbles. Fair enough. Uh, I also had Niles Morgan, uh, not only because he's a friend of the podcast, of course, uh, of course. but and, and it's Niles. I mean, how do you not like Niles? Come on. Like, come on. Where's his auntie? Auntie That's Valerie. Right. That's right. Yeah, Auntie Valerie. <laughs> um, and uh, extra points for Auntie Valerie. Um, and uh, my my runner-up was Jake Sresna. So, Commissioner. This was the hardest one for me. I still don't know who to choose. I'm, I'm. It's my trifecta. It's Land, Lou, and Mo. It's, it's Lucha, or it's Purefoy. It's Niles Morgan, and it's AC Leonard. Like I, I, I can't choose. I, okay. I, my heart was telling me this morning, Niles Morgan, but I don't want to select the same as everybody else. I just, I don't know. Like I'm so stuck on all three good choices. You yep. know what? I, I'll. Because there was the uh, the turnover in the three intercept, I'll 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 say Purifoy just strictly on the bases and hoping no one else picks him, so <laughs> he gets a shout out. All right, fair enough. Dave, uh, give uh, Purifoy an honorable mention. How about that? Okay. Oh, you uh, can pick him. It's all good. <laughs> Niles Morgan, yeah, was my runner up. Oh, my MOD is Jake Ceresna. I'm very impressed with uh, the work on the edge because I think he is actually a pretty good edge player. Uh, he's good inside, but I think he showed that he's a good edge player. Uh, if you uh, pro football focus, uh, who I, it's great that they're aligned with the league now and they're providing deeper stats. Top five grade among edge rushers and top five in pressures wow. uh, among edge, edge rushers. So uh, he got my vote. Awesome. Morley. Um, let me preface this by saying I really like Niles Morgan. Yeah. yeah. I really like uh, Niles yeah, Morgan, and he put up great numbers this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. But uh, my runner-up uh, is A.C. Leonard, and my defensive player of the year is Jake Ceresna. Uh, okay. I, I just think that uh, Morgan had great numbers, but I just think those two made more of an impact, came in and came out with big sacks with you know big tackles for loss whatever the case may be both had good years for for Serezna's best year i believe in his career as far as wow. sacks go uh, and yep. he had to do it playing outside some weeks playing inside some weeks and and he got moved around a lot and was able to do that uh, morgan and again 
I, this is nothing against Dallas Morgan, but the, these guys played every game. Uh, they didn't get injured. They were there every game. And I know if you hurt, you can't play. So that's it's not a knock on Dallas Morgan. But uh, I just think that those two guys made more of an impact. Uh, th- to me, that those picking between those three guys is it's 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 almost impossible because they all had really great seasons. So yeah. I I just devised that uh, I thought in the games, the way I watched the games, I thought those two guys made more of an impact. So I, I put them ahead of Niles. Great okay. points. Wow. Yeah. Well, we all know it's going to be Jamin next year, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good friend of the show. Uh, all right. Next one is Rookie of the Year. Uh, this one was very difficult for me because I was trying to, go through and 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 i i know like we already talked about kai gray and and how great he was i thought darius bratton had a lot that he kind of improved as the year went on um i i wish he could have finished the season because my my vote is going to lewis to i i just thought playing on the corner um marcus lewis as a rookie was awesome I, I enjoyed watching him. So uh, he would get my vote with a, uh, with a, with a runner up to Kai Gray. So commissioner. Oh, geez. You guys know who I'm picking because I am so biased. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder who it might be. Not because I don't think that anybody else is any less. It's come on. It's Steve faithful. He's my homie in age. He's my homie and everything else. So, just on a purely biased level, it, I mean, you talk about someone who came from an incredibly different sport, apart from actually just kicking a ball, but just in in his age and where he came from and just the, the transition that he made, I think it's, and he won the hearts of like all Elks fans. Come on. You cannot deny that. Y'all love him. Yes. You do. Oh, we do. Absolutely. You do. God save the Dean. That's right. Yeah. We right. Love it. Oh, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking about everybody else. Um, <laughs> We all know. Yeah. But no, I, like I've said before, and you you guys already have brought up their names, Marcus Lewis, Darius Bratton, like those two guys really stood out for me. Even Kai Gray, he kind of had a very Chris Edwards personality when he first came on, but he, he knew how to temper it and actually, you know, make a big impact. So all the, shout out to all those guys, but I, I gotta go with Dean Faithful. Come on. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Davi? That's a very good argument there, Kayla. That's you know, a terrible I, I, argument. <laughs> I thought long and hard about Dean Faithful. It, you yep. know, the 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 story I love. I, I just couldn't go there. Um, so my runner up is Darius Bratton. Okay. My rookie is Kai Gray, because I believe mm-hmm. he was the most consistent defensive back um all year from uh start to finish among the rookies, even though Marcus Lewis did have a Excellent season. Uh, I think Kai Gray was pretty steady. Can't do Lewis anyway. He, he played in 2021. Oh, is that right? He played for Ottawa. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh I didn't even know that. Well, neither did I. <laughs> Good Lord. My dog is trying to take my arm off. Jeepers, creepers. Um, okay. Uh, I will. Then I guess I go Kai Gray because that he was my runner up. So there you go. Morley. Uh, Kai Bray, Darius Bratton. Uh, those are those are my one and two. Uh, Dean Faithful is a fantastic story. I love the story, uh, but he didn't impact it as much, and that's not right. it's not his fault that he never got an opportunity to kick. 
from outside the 48 very often or the 47. But uh, the, the, I, I just think coming in and playing those positions as a rookie, I think yeah. it's pretty difficult. And uh, I was impressed with Kai Gray on the corner all year long. And Darius Bratton was pretty solid. And, and for DBs, you know, the less we talk about them, the better they are, right? And mm-hmm. uh, we didn't talk about them that much to, except to say, oh, they had a pretty good game tonight when, when yeah. you look back at it. So uh, Kai Gray for sure. Fair enough. Super fan. Uh, yeah, I took Kai Gray as well. 55 defensive tackles, a tackle for a loss, two interceptions, one for a touchdown. Uh, for a rookie, that's pretty impressive numbers, especially someone playing in a a secondary that changed players a lot. You didn't see a lot of games where you had the same five guys back there. Um, yeah. So I thought that was outstanding. Uh, I did give a nod to Dean Faithful. Uh, he didn't yeah. have great numbers at the end. Uh, halfway through the season, he was he only had two losses, uh, two misses, but he ended up with a seventy-nine point three percent. And I think um, uh, Jerry in the chat mentioned he's the only one of the starting kickers that didn't kick over fifty yards or didn't have a field goal over fifty yards. So uh, that's okay. too bad. But only uh, had one yeah. attempt too from fifty yards, right? That's which, right. Which yeah. he missed right at the end of that one game, right? So yeah, yep. Yep, makes it harder. All right. And then our favorite one on this particular show, because that's right, there is no turf district. There is only Mool. That's right. Most outstanding offensive lineman. Commissioner, you get to go first. Do I? <laughs> what a, Lucky. What a face. Okay. Hey, I was excited for you. Yeah. <clears throat> I uh, so only two names came to mind for me, Boyko and Cordy, but I just I uh, I want to say Cordy as my choice and then Boyko as my runner-up just because Boyko didn't play the entire season, but because he made such an impact, I think I'm going to go Boyko with Cordy as my runner-up. All right. Sounds good. Davi. So Boyko is my runner-up. Uh, Martez Ivy is my most outstanding lineman. Uh, consistent. Uh, you know, I watched him very close. I watched, you know, uh, watching, you know, uh, uh, he was just very, he doesn't do nothing flashy, but he's very good technique wise, good feet, um, does some really subtle things to eliminate an edge rusher. Um, you know, Boyko was, was good as well. Uh, Cordy was, I, you know, for a while was their best guy. And then he kind of just fell off a little bit. And then Foucault and Jack Cardilla were a little up and down, but Ivy, I think was most, their John. most consistent yeah. guy. Yeah, fair enough. Morley? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I'm <laughs> not qualified to pick the best offensive lineman. <laughs> and I realized this the first time I was uh, given the honor to vote for these awards. So uh, I I did this year what I do every year. I asked the coaching staff and I talked okay. to them. And my vote is Martez Ivy for uh, best offensive lineman. So. All right. Excellent. Super fan. Uh, I went with uh, Mark Cordy as the runner-up, and I gave it to Brett Boyko. Uh, He did only play the 14 games, but I think the team really changed when he got in there. Uh, To me, it's not coincidental that we started that winning streak just on his third game on the team. And the one thing I really liked is that whenever someone took liberties with the quarterback, and it didn't matter who the quarterback Mm -hmm. was, Boyko was the guy that rushed in there and Mm -hmm. stood up for his quarterback. Um, we didn't see that a lot with other offensive linemen before. Um, and it just, again, it just seemed to really lift when he joined the team um, and sort of settle down. So I went to Boyko. All right. Excellent. And I am going Boyko and I'm going with Cordy. 
because I I like Cordy and I thought he did he did pretty Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Wow, well, I'm trying to think of um, like weird. I, I know it's odd. Weird, right? That's so weird. Uh, all right, super fan. Do we have, do have one thing though. Okay. Uh, let's put everybody right on the spot. Tim Capper in the chat has said, "Who would be your comeback player of the year?" Oh, oh my boy. goodness! Um, uh, I'll go first on this good. one. Then perfect. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. To me, that's Gavin Cobb. Um, right. Cobb injured like in the preseason of his rookie year. Mm. Uh, busted his hump to get back into this game. And I think he had a really, this was his rookie season because of it. Um, and I think that he really, um, he did exceptionally well. I thought um, again, he had that long, long pass for 68 yards, uh, almost a touchdown. And when he finally did get his touchdown, uh, it was a stellar play by, by Ford, but everyone was incredibly happy for Cobb. And it just seems like uh, he's one of those guys. I'm really excited to see what he brings next year. Ooh, great pick. Morley, we'll go the other way this time. Um, I'm going to go with Kyran Moore. Um, he had uh, yeah. a really serious knee injury a couple of years ago, uh, and it kind of wiped out the back half of 21 and the front half of 22 for him. And this was his first full season in in a long time. And uh, what he put up, like 700 yards? I'm just yeah. like 743 yeah. yards, So, uh, which is uh, the second best of his career. Uh, after, after he had 585 in 21, wow. only played 11 games, and only played seven games last year with 295 yards. So I'm going to give it to, to Kyran Moore, who, uh, who came back from a pretty bad injury as well uh, and uh, got right back to, to where he was pre-injury when, when he first joined the CFL. Awesome. Dave? I love the call pick. Uh, I'm going to go with my MOD runner up though. And Niles Morgan, I was proud mm -hmm. of him that he was able to stay healthy and he did have a, you know, tough end to the season. Uh, the, I, I didn't think he was going to play off that hamstring injury. Then he got a chance to play on last Saturday. So uh, for him to come off a tough year last year, and he was just, he was outstanding in the six games he played last year. Um, but unfortunately missed 12 games. So he played almost the whole year and picked up 107 defensive tackles. So I'll, uh, that's impressive to me. So I'm proud of Niles that he was able to stay healthy. Awesome. Commissioner. I'm going to go, I was going to pick somebody else, but I actually changed my mind. I'm going to go a little off kilter. Okay. And I'm going to say Taylor Cornelius only because okay. His position that he changed into as the short yardage was extremely successful. And the short yardage touchdowns that he actually got, I don't know how many total. I know he had total of eight touchdowns, but is that short yardage? No. Or touchdowns, like just... Some of them are just him running in, like because he didn't him running. running, I think, early in the season. But anyway, yes. Ob so obviously, like, <laughs> no one wants to think about the first half of the season at his at the helm of Taylor Cornelius. But if you look at just what he was asked to do, and he took it on the chin. I mean, I, I remember seeing him in the locker room and how defeated he was, especially after like Trey Ford's first win. Mm -hmm. Like he he looked miserable, and I felt for the guy. So just to see him actually do something successful on the team, I think that he deserves a little bit of praise for that. Awesome, uh, Mike, you'd stole mine as soon as I as soon as he said come back. I'm like, it's got to be Gavin Cobb, but uh, yeah. yeah, so that would be where I would head as well because uh, he, I mean, 
he's been uh, he's been good with us but also just to see him actually get he had to work his way even onto the roster until he had to wait for injuries and then got in there yeah. and produced so i will I he's will so nice yeah he is he's oh, so nice amazing uh okay super fan let's do a uh, little bit of hoard and tell because you've been waiting to show this one that uh you just got in i guess so go ahead. yeah we're gonna build up to this one um okay so I, i've got a few things in, in the last little bit i wanted to go over uh first ones is a trio of photos uh these are sort of older players some of them might be familiar to you some of them maybe not uh in the 1954 gray cup many people know about the fumble recovery return for 90 yards for a touchdown. Most people don't remember, though, is who caused the fumble, and that was a guy named Ted Tully. And there is a nice 1960 photo of Ted. He was a linebacker, uh, played with the team from 50 to 62, um, okay. minus, I think, the 59 year. Um, absolutely great guy. Ended up settling around here, and, and um, great to get that. Uh, the other two, a little more familiar, I think. Uh, I don't know whatever <laughs> happened to this guy. I don't think Normie Kwong Norman. did a whole lot. Uh, this series where they were wearing these outfits, which were, I believe, green and gold. Um, they started in the early 50s, maybe 52, 53, all the way to the early 60s, and everyone had a, a shot in those outfits. Uh, sort of iconic photos, and uh, they used those as headshots for a lot of trading cards, and every time on TV when they would show up, what it was that. And then the last one, wearing the same shirt, but not quite as filling it out as much, is uh, a guy named John Dickerson or Jackie Parker. Um Again, these are great shots that they use for that. And, and to get original photos uh, was pretty special. Um, that photo of him, I mean, he's given dreamy eyes a, a run he for his money. He looks like a rock star in that photo. Totally. Absolutely. You know, for a guy who's uh, you know, with a pair of legs that, uh, you know, probably couldn't get him across the street. And he had a hell of a career, right? So um, next thing I got in was a little program. Uh, this is Calgary versus Edmondson hosting at uh, Mawada Stadium in Calgary. Uh, I love these old 1950 programs. This is our second year and was uh, the first time we beat Calgary as oh, well. Cool. We're starting again. So uh, fun little things. Uh, the the um, lineup sheet on the inside, if I can find it here quickly enough. Uh, it's interesting because they don't really have offense and defense because you guys kind of played both. Uh, you, <laughs> everybody played both ways so you had a you know a quarterback on defense and, and everyone just like what position I, I, I tackle yeah. offensive defensive tackle yes yes um and then the last thing is the one i've been waiting for for a long time um i have a lot of old old things in here uh not myself included um and i think the thing i like most is when i can find something that people don't even really know what it is and this became available in a um auction for old photos and then it just said team photo and this came up and this is the 1910 edmonton eskimos rugby football team so wow. the third year Jeez. the third year they played canadian rules Wow. Um, I've been trying to identify everybody in here. I've got a few. Uh, the guy on the end here that's kneeling, his name is Percy Hardesty. Uh, if you know the oh. name Hardesty, you might have a general idea. Uh, there's a guy sitting down in here. Uh, where is he? Sort of second from here. That is a guy named C.H. Belanger. Uh, he ended up being the head coach for the team in 1910 and uh, started a hotel called the Cecil. 
Uh, oh, anyone that's wow. been downtown probably knows the Cecil Hotel, which is pretty kind of cool. About five or six of these guys ended up dying in World War I. Um, so for some of these guys, this was sort of their last hurrah before going off to war. So uh, just a fantastic little item uh, to pick up and be able to get something that old, which is now the easily the oldest item in my collection. Uh, wow. was a pretty special moment. So um, yeah, somebody tipped me off and said, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but this might be something you're interested in. And uh, I grabbed it right away for a steal of a price. So like oh, where, uh, where? Can I uh, can I tell a, a Mike memorabilia story? Yes, sure. you can. Um, yes. I messaged him. Uh, my mom found this program. I, I'm not sure where she got it from, but it's from a long time ago, and it's a it's a, it's an Eskimos program. I forget who it's against. And I took a picture of it, and I I messaged it uh, to Mike, and he looked at it, and he he all of a sudden he's just like telling me all this information about the game and about the program, and then he says, <laughs> if you go to page eight, there's a great picture of Brian Hall. I'm like, that, right? <laughs> and I, so I thumbed through it and I, nope, sorry, Mike, there's no picture of Brian Hall in here. And he goes, yeah, page eight. And I go, look through again. Nope, nope, I'm sorry, Mike. And then he goes, oh, I'm pretty sure it's there. And then I look and there's no page eight in the program. It oh. was, it was missing. So uh, that's why <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't see it, but he knew it was, he knew it was going to be there. Yeah. And I mean, I just sent him a picture and he sent me like three paragraphs back about, uh, about the program and about the game. I don't shut up a lot. Program, yeah. so. And, and it, whenever I, I haven't seen you in person since, well, once I have, and I forgot to bring it, uh, I'm going to give it to Mike when, uh, Excellent. When, I the, when I get the opportunity. So, but Mike, I'll warn you page eight is missing oh no <laughs> well, we'll frame it we'll put it on the wall it'll be great <laughs> oh that's uh that's awesome a great great picture there although uh, it's funny though when i look at that picture it's like look there's curly and mo and yeah. like it's like oh my god maybe they're just, dad yeah, yeah probably yeah it's it's right there yeah um uh awesome hort until again thank you super fan let's um let's get into looking a little bit forward to 2024 um because there's a couple of things that i just want to talk about with you guys to get your opinions here um Many is gonna. Many people are gonna jump on the coaching staff. We already talked about that. Who's who needs to be here? Who doesn't? All those types of things. <laughs> I think we know most of them will be back. Um, is there is there any changes that you see possibly coming, Morley? Let's start with you this time. Well, the one that uh, Chris Jones is loyal to his guys, right? Uh, yeah. Loyal to his friends, and and we've seen that coaching staff, you know, travel around and they get guys added to it here and there. Um, but one of the guys who's been with Chris Jones a lot through his career is now looking for a job. Uh, mm. So Craig Dickinson, um, I don't know what he wants to do. I don't know if if, uh, if he wants to take a year off or whatever, but. Uh, I'm guessing Chris Jones has already talked to him. I don't know if they've got room for him salary-wise, position-wise, if they want to move some guys around. But, I mean, he's a great special teams coordinator, and uh, he might enjoy a year of just being a coordinator not having to worry about all the uh, the pressures and, and, and everything else that, that comes with being a head coach. So regardless of what you think of the job he did in Saskatchewan, he's a really good special teams coach, and somebody's going to snap him up. So why not come back here? Yep, I agree. Dave? I agree with the Dickinson uh, uh, angle, and you know I, this idea was floated to me by a, by a friend of mine. So I'm just going to share it. This this is this has no legs whatsoever. <laughs> it's just a thought, and I, I like the thought. So the football ops cap will be freed up majorly for the Elks. I think it's only Jason Moss final year at 50k. That's it. Um, okay. 
so they're going to have resources to spend in coaching and in scouting. So how about this? Chris Jones steps down. Now this might be a big if, because uh, it is Chris Jones, and he <laughs> he likes calling defense. But let's just huh? let's let's dream. Let's what's that Wayne's World? I think I know where this is going. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it all. Let's so Chris Jones steps down from the DC role and gives it to Jason Shivers. Mm, I've heard that one as well. Yep, it's interesting. Who so, was here again? Yep. Yep. But I think this is the year now where they can finally, in the offseason, maybe spend in football ops where, I mean, last year they were operating half a million dollars or more under the cap uh, or under uh, the proper budget for uh, for other, or what, no, it was, what was it, $500,000 or more than the eight other teams because of right. the, the cap had Rock Sunderland on it and, and uh, Jamie Elizondo, uh, but they come off. So that's going to really free them up and uh, it's time for Chris Jones to get some help. I, I, I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. I like both ideas. Craig, Craig Dickinson and... I remember you guys saying Diamond. that, like, mid-season, like, Craig Dickinson, like, oh, special coach, or special Keep team sucking. coach. Keep sucking. Keep <laughs> sucking. Yeah. <laughs> Come here now. Uh, now, that's the, that's the only downside I, I would look at, and I understand it's different when you're, you know, they're working together, all that type of thing, but it's not like Jason Shivers defense like played out of its mind in saskatchewan either so i, I i'm a little leery on that one but uh, and i and i'm not gonna i wouldn't be upset about it either just to make sure that jones has time to do all the things he needs to do too that's i think the biggest thing right so yeah that's fair yep all right super fan uh yeah um i, I think one thing we're going to have to expect is I don't know if there's room for Stephen McAdoo on this coaching staff right now. He's an advisor and he's probably pretty expensive as an advisor. So I'm just wondering if he will see me there. Obviously everybody knows he is coach Jones guy and he loves his guys, but I don't know how you can say, yeah, we're going to keep you on as a defensive consultant or right. whatever he was at the second half of this year. So, um, Maybe he'll move on to offensive line coach, but we've got Steven Sorrells there. So, um, and then Mike Shepard, is there room for him if we bring back a Craig Dickinson? So, uh, it was funny up until the last game, we kept talking about, you know, Dickinson was the uh, the special teams coordinator the last time we got a return touchdown. And then somebody, it might have been Chris Agard. I guess you don't need anyone now. We've got a special teams touchdown. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Uh, I think you're up, Mike. All right, let's commissioner. Sorry, commissioner. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was very confused there for a second. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, I am definitely, well, I'm not qualified to talk about coaching in any regard. <laughs> like I am just not qualified. The only thing I can say is just obviously with the shifts that we already made in this season, I would consistency, I think is key for next year is just bring back some solid guys to build we have a foundation let's build upon it um the one thing that i would like to see is having chris jones wear less hats and prosper in one to two areas not three four five six seven eight nine a trillion <laughs> um i just don't know who would qualify for the jobs that he'd be willing to give up and it's chris jones so who knows if he'd actually be willing to give up some positions but fair one can help. Always, there's always hope. There's always hope. Uh, all right. Yeah. So um, 
obviously we've talked about coaching changes. The, the uh, obvious next step would be player changes, um, especially when you've gone a couple of years at, at four and 14. So what would you guys say is the top three needs for this roster right now? Let's start with Dave. Uh, they got to beef up the old line. Cause if you want to run the football mm. consistently, then you got to find more consistency along that old line. So that's one, um, two, defense has to play better. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. They, they, they just yep. have to play better. It's, it was frustrating to see how inconsistent they were or, or consistently inconsistent, consistent and not stopping the run. That was frustrating, yeah. yep. but you know, that's where a lot of the youth is, is located as well. The, the, yep. the first and second year players are going to come back. So hopefully that will pay dividends with more experience, hopefully, but you know what? They might have to address, maybe a little bit on the D line, maybe a little bit on the uh, linebacking core. Like, you know, Adam Conner, love the guy, but he may have to take a step back in 24 and maybe a Tony Jones comes in and, and, or they, you know, go out in free agency, maybe get a guy. I don't think they're going to be draft or draft. Yeah. Um, And then thirdly, um, you gotta be better on special teams. You know, you just have to be better. And, um, you know, Dean Faithful, does he come back? I mean, now he's they're only global, so mm-hmm. you need a global on the roster. And I'm okay with bringing Dean back, but, you know, you might want to explore other options there too. Jake Julian had some good games, but he had some games where he was frustratingly, um, you know, he kicking the ball in the middle of the field and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that doesn't help your return or your cover unit. But the cover unit has to be more consistent and hopefully – you know, again, more experience. Um, you know, Tanner Green was out of the lineup for a, a little while. Yeah. He came back in. Uh, Scott Hutter was out, came back in. But it, it's a lot of youth on that special teams too. So that's another area um, that, uh, you know, I think let's hope more experience, more seasoning will help. So that's my top three. And, yes, I didn't mention Trey Ford and the offense because I, I kind of okay with the way things are going. And I'm, I, I just want to see how it looks in the off season. I think, you know, Trey's got to get better. Jairus Jackson has to call the, the offense he wants, but I, but I also think he needs help. If he wants to be a run first team, then he's got to be given the tools to do it. That's fair. Morley. Yeah. I'm along the same lines as Dave. Uh, O-line's got to get beefed up. Um, I think uh, the offense outside of that, I think the pieces are all there. The receiving core is a good receiving core, especially with Stephen Dunbar healthy. Um, they're, they're a very good receiving core and Trey's just got to get the ball to him uh, better next year, uh, which, you know, is obviously one of the steps he's going to have to take. So I, I'm okay there. O-line needs to be beefed up uh, defensively. Uh, yeah, obviously a defense that wasn't very good needs to have better players on it, right? Although it's it's a defense, as I said earlier, it's got some good players, but they got to figure out where they have to add to and, and what positions, and um, they got to stop the run, which they had so much trouble with. So first thing that comes to mind is the D-line in the middle, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, healthy Jamin Pelly all season long is going to help there for sure. Yeah. They've uh, released Coney Ely now, so he won't be back. So they've got some holes to fill, I think, uh, on the D-line in the middle. I think they're okay, going to be okay on the ends uh, as long as they re-sign A.C. Leonard right. and move Jake Ceresna out there. So uh, that uh, special teams, you know, uh, Deontes Alexander, yeah, he had a, he had a good – debut but that's you know he, he doesn't return punts right right now it's just yeah. kickoff so i don't know if he can return punts or or wants to or they want him to so uh and i'm told it's two very different animals obviously right so right. um they they got to find they got to find a returner cj sims 
you know, maybe he'll get invited back next year for training camp. Maybe not. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Released now, obviously. But uh, and and uh, Dean Faithful, uh, if he's back next year, and, and I hope he is because he's a great guy, great story, good interview, yeah. all the things everybody likes off the field. But they gotta they gotta open him up a little bit more and give him an opportunity to kick more field goals from a longer distance to see if he can do it. And Chris Jones talked last year about easing them in, and he always went back to mentioning Brett Lowther in his first year, how he kind of, you know, put the governor on him. So um, if they bring him back and he comes back next year, then I, I want to see him give him an opportunity to, to kick more longer field goals because right. he says he can do it. And, and um, you know, there's, there's, you know, stories out there that in practice he's kicking, you know, 65, 70 yard field goals at times. Right. So uh, he's got the leg. Um, you got to be concerned. He's going to be 37 next year. Right. So, um, uh, going to year two of his career so um, uh, <laughs> just a weird thing to say isn't it but, not a lot of miles uh, on so, him, no. yeah that, so, so that's it special teams o-line are the i think the most important things and then finding just just pieces of the puzzle for defense because i still maintain you know the players on defense are good they're just not playing well together right, right. and and they got to find another guy maybe to go on the inside and stop the run yep 100 percent. i agree commissioner Oh dear. I think like after that last game, the biggest thing that I, I saw was just like more like beef up that O-line. That O-line mm -hmm. definitely needs to, I mean, we, we saw some improvements, but it really needs to be solid, especially for a guy like Trey. Um, some guys who are going to allow a run, you know, make some holes because we do have Kevin Brown. I want to see more of Shannon Brooks. I want to see Trey Ford, you know, have that threat at the run game, but you really need some solid guys up front. Um, I mean, it's kind of already been said, like special teams, like it's just kind of, oh, oh. I mean, it wasn't last year. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, we saw some improvements, um, but you know, with the, with Salisbury no longer with us, it's just, it just feels lackluster to me. And I don't know if that's more of an emotional thing, um, but it just was very dull, very boring, very, there's just not, nothing to really be gun ho about. So I think finding those pieces or just someone who wants a coach who's willing to maybe, I don't know, give a little spice and some jazz to it. Um, otherwise I haven't really thought about anything else except those two positions. Um, uh, maybe the, yeah, really a uh, Trey Ford extension. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well that that's gotta happen, right? Like yeah. I think we all agree that that's gotta be number one on the, on the, roster <laughs> to yeah. uh, make sure we get an extension so that he's here for extended amount of time and not just next year on the last year. year I do have a rookie deal. A random question though. Are globals only ever signed to one year? No. No, they can have more. Can they? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But I, I I don't I think Dean was a one year, but I don't I know they I could think he's do. got two. I think he signed he two. two? No. Oh perfect. Two? Okay. Well, then he should be back. Okay. He's not listed as being yeah on the um, the free agent list. The free so. agent list. Okay. Uh, super fan, you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, this game is won and lost in the trenches, and mm -hmm. we weren't good enough on either side. Um, so to me, it's get a big nose tackle. Uh, I talked to Jed Roberts a lot in the last couple of days about the defensive line, and he says, for Chris Jones, who loves to rush three, and has that 30 defense, you need to have a really big run stopper that we haven't had since Mondo. Um, mm -hmm. Jim and Pelly has shown a lot in that position, but um, he was injured 
uh, a couple of times and and that made it a little tougher plus we can't run them all the time so you need someone else that can rotate in there we saw some good stuff out of nowhere curtis uh who uh, david mentioned earlier um but i i think we really want to work on that and then offensive line yeah we need to have some more um not pressure but someone pushing the guys we've got to try and get better on that line. I think Cordy and Boyko are still excellent. Uh, I thought Ivy, especially in the second half, was really good. But uh, those guards, I think, need to be pushed, even though Foucault did get some um, names from PFF, right? Some He was named a couple of times. So that's good. And then lastly, special teams. Um, we definitely need that certain kind of personality when we're running blocks <laughs> because it doesn't matter who you've got running back kicks. If people aren't making the blocks for them, you're just not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. So true. Um, all right. So I got I got one last question for you guys that uh, I want to go over. Um the we had lots of talk with the upper deck being tarped off. Um we talked about it last week, how we think it'll be a good atmospheric part of the game, it'll bring people down, make it a little more fun. Hard for those people who have been sitting up there forever, though. So uh, your thoughts on that, uh, Morley, let's start with you. Uh, I, I get, I'm I two minds to this. I like the move. I think it's going to create a better atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel bad, and I know, I, Mike, are you in the upper deck, too? Nope. nope. No? Okay, I know no. you are, right, Andrew? Not anymore. Um, no, I haven't been for a couple of years. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I thought you were still. But I know there's people up there who that's been their home for 20 years, right? Correct. And, yeah. and I feel bad for them um, because you know we're all creatures of habit right especially when when you come to sporting events you do the in your season seat holder you do the same thing over and over and you sit in the same seats and you sit mm-hmm. beside the same people so i understand it's tough for them and uh but i think it's going to be a good move i think it's going to create excitement it's going to create a better atmosphere uh it's going to create more camaraderie um and it's going to create a bit of a buzz too because at some right. point next season maybe for opening night maybe for when the riders come to town or maybe for the Labor Day Classic. We're going to hear the phrase we hear. It comes out of BC all the time and everyone gets excited. They're opening the upper deck. And right. it just creates just creates something like this is a special thing going on here. Uh, they open up the upper deck. I better go sit in it uh, because everybody's going to the game. And I and I think that, that that'll be kind of cool. I know I heard it coming out of Toronto. They're opening the upper decks for the playoff game because tickets have sold well uh, for the Eastern final. So I, I think it's, it's going to do what they expect to do. And I just hope five years from now that we can open it up again. And those people who liked it up there can move back up there because we're getting, you know, 30, 35 to 40,000 a game every year, every game. And I, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that level, but it certainly would be, would be pretty awesome. But um, I like the move. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a move that um, I don't know if it's overdue or not, but it's a move that you kind of could see coming. Uh, it doesn't. And we talked to Rick Lawler about it. I thought at first, I thought it might be a, financial move too because it might save them some time save some some money but they don't pay anything for the cleanup or their their lease agreement includes security and and cleanup Uh, so that doesn't help that you know it doesn't help them save money it's just a move to create a better atmosphere and just just make it a better place to go and some of the players i talked to really like the idea too uh, yeah, they feel that it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool to have, you know, because a lot of them look up and go, I see we get like thirty two thousand for a game. I look up at the stands and they're half empty, um, right? And it's because they're half empty, right? So <laughs> let's get everybody let's get everybody down in in you know, together and and just have a big party. Love it, Dave. 
Well, uh, I'm sad that it had to come to this, but mm-hmm. I think we knew that it was going to come to this. And, um, you know, I do think it was, I don't know if it was long overdue or it was overdue. I think it's just time to do it. Um, and I know people who are nostalgic like to say, well, they used to sell that thing out. I said, yeah. And I used to fill up my car for 20 bucks. Um, <laughs> times have changed. You know? 31,000 is the new capacity. And like Morley, I hope that they can, you know, bring more people up into the upper deck. And I do feel bad for those that have to come down. And again, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of misinformation going on around there. So mm-hmm. uh, out there in the social media world, um, imagine that. So Weird. I hope, Never happens. I hope yeah. it gets kind of squared up with uh, those fans and with the, uh, with the people in the ticket office uh, in the, with the Elks. And um, I mean, look, it's, you know, you go around the league and you look at capacities and, you know, Commonwealth is just too big now for yeah. the CFL, but you have it. You have to maximize it to the best of your ability. So um, it's too bad, but um, I, I think it's, I think it's the right move. And, you know, it's, I, you know, it's aesthetically, it was just hard to look at. Now I understand that on the West side, there's way more people than on the East yes. side, yep. but again, aesthetically look bad. Yep. Interesting numbers though. Um, we ended up finishing third in attendance for the season so far mm-hmm. um, at that's 44.55% of capacity, but with 31,000, we shoot up to 80%. Yeah. Right. That makes a huge difference. A huge difference. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And as soon as they start winning a couple more games at home, it will be maybe common to hear, okay, well, we're, sold it's sold out like and that would not be nice to hear instead right i mean i understand it's just the lower bowl but still it's if that's what the sellout is then you can market it as a sellout so i I can't say i'd be too upset about that uh mike is there a couple of fan questions you can pull out i know we've kept these guys a really long time i don't want to keep it too much longer but uh, yeah a couple of fan questions in there you bet. Leanne's got a great question. I think everybody wants to know. Question for the this duo. This is for Dave, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> How excited are they for Friday night's Pay It Forward with football gathering at MKT? Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, I mean, the job that uh, Quentin and Sam have done, I mean, it's just nice to be a part of this event. And it's nice to, it'll be nice to share our stories and to hear uh, Mookie uh, talk about his story and, and AG and, uh, answer some questions too and eat some nice food and um and meet with uh, whoever is coming i know uh some present company here a lot of people are coming to down to the event on friday so i can't wait it's going to be it's going to be a blast it's going to be neat to talk to people without having 280 characters right because <laughs> most, <laughs> most of the people most of the people that are going to be there that that i know that i that i communicate with it's usually through twitter so it's going to be cool to see people face to face and and talk to them and and uh, get their take on what's happened and what they think is going to happen moving forward and i promise dave and i won't speak long so that we can get to, to aaron grimes and mookie mitchell who are the real stars of the show but uh, shout out to the eberts because they uh, what yeah, they've put 100%. together is just a fantastic thing uh the the way they the way they help the community the way they bring football into it and uh and uh you know football's been uh, such a, i love their story it's been such a great part of their lives mm-hmm. uh, i love their story and what they're doing is, is is a pretty cool endeavor and i'm i'm willing to help them out whenever i can so uh, I'm looking forward to Friday night. It's going to be good. Awesome. And their son, Tennyson, is a bloody playbook. 
Yeah. He is so smart. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's awesome. He's pretty cool. Let's do our plug for that right now. So uh, if you don't have your tickets already, I think there's a couple left. Yeah. Uh, so it's at uh, MKT Beer Market, October 27th. That's this Friday. Uh, grab your tickets. It's only 40 bucks. And as you just heard, uh, it's going to be an amazing time. So grab your tickets for that. All right, super fan. Excellent. A couple more here. Uh, for Leanne, this question is for Morley. Hi, oh. Morley. Hello, Leanne. <laughs> there it is. Well done. That was not bad. It sounded a little bit like you were sitting under a bridge, but it was pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Whatever. Everyone's got to. Yeah. What was your favorite Antler Up interview this year? Oh, oh my goodness. I I I really enjoyed the the last the the last few uh, actually I I did a trio of Canadians for the last three mm -hmm. uh, Trey Ford Gavin Cobb and Tanner Green and uh, I I like talking especially a guy like Tanner Green because he's a yeah. fullback like I mean we talked about that he's a fullback and a special teamer that is not a sexy position to play <laughs> uh, nobody he doesn't get the credit he deserves for the work they do uh, I loved hearing his story about how he quit playing football after high school and ended up you know just playing senior men's football and ended up putting a, a a tape together and getting a scholarship out of that and and that's where he is now so i those those three hundred i it's honestly i i really like them all because uh, every time i sit down with one of those players i find out something i didn't know about them and uh, it's usually a pretty cool story um, some of them have some such great beginnings and and have had great careers whatever the case may be but uh, yeah I, probably the last three guys are the ones i've enjoyed the most i really enjoyed talking to tanner green uh, last week, Gavin Cobb too has some some great stories, and 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 Trey's a treat. Uh, I, I really enjoy talking to Trey Ford because he's uh, he's football wise, he's pretty smart. He's he knows the game really well, and uh, he's he, he likes to tell stories. And uh, uh, yeah, so those three would be probably my favorite just because they're the most recent ones and the three Canadian guys and, and they're kind of, you know, one guy's in the spotlight. Uh, one guy's, you know, kind of in the spotlight and the other guy, <laughs> a lot of people don't even know about Tanner green, but he's right. played such an important role on the team. I, awesome. I know for myself. And I got to say, I got to oh. say thanks to Leanne too, because she always encourages me every week. I, she gives me, she tells me it was a good interview and she enjoyed listening to it. So I, uh, I appreciate her uh, downloading and everybody else downloading and listening to Antler up too. For oh, sure. for your interviews this year, Morley, um, I I loved the Manny uh, mm, one. Yeah. I well, granted, I just, love, right? I just love his passion and and positivity and everything. I I I loved that one. Um, but the other one that uh, that and it wasn't Antler Up, but it was just recently when you talked to Donovan Alumba before this last game. I don't know how you can't just be fired up. Listen to that guy. And yeah. I, I cannot wait to get him and, and not at the same time, different terms, but Trey on this show, just because you just like, I just, the energy was unbelievable. I loved it so yeah. much. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that conversation with Alamba as well. And I walked away from him thinking, uh, He's gonna be on Antler Up Week One next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to yeah. get in depth with him a, a little bit more. He's gonna yeah. stay around here for most of the yeah. offseason again this awesome. year. And uh, yeah. and he said uh, he wants to be. He wants to be like Ricky Ray. He wants people to be wearing Donovan Alumba jerseys someday and 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 thinking about a long career. So he's ready to. He's he's kind of moved around a lot, but he's ready to settle down right. and be uh, and 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 be an elk and and stay here for a while. He was hurt, like retired. He wasn't yeah. getting paid, and he was here all season. Uh, yeah. Wow. He, you know, uh, he was, uh, you know, he made friends in his neighborhood and uh, he was working out and he was getting ready to come back. And when he came back, 
they put him back on the roster and he ended up playing a couple of games, which is great for him. I, Such I a know. kind guy. I know after I heard that interview, I'm like, yeah, I'll get the jersey when they put the right color of numbers on it. I'll be happy to oh, do that. <laughs> uh, super fan. One Seven more, maybe. <laughs> All right, one more. This is from uh, Chris Agar. I'm going to modify it slightly. Uh, it's for David Morley. What was the best food you had in the booth this year? Whether it's brought to you or whether you bought it yourself or had someone bring it to you. What was the best food? You start, ever? Dave. I got to think. Okay, I just got to think here. Uh, <laughs> Calgary's got a good spread. It's usually some pasta and salad, and that's pretty good. Um, if you like uh, pub food, Toronto was good because they had the chicken wings and the chicken fingers. Um, we get halftime pizza at home. Oh, that's pretty really good. good pizza, too. Yeah, you know what? Eyes. You know what? There, there were several games, home games, that we were sampling some concession items. That was mm -hmm. a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> so that's my favorite. Morley, Sample. you have one shot at getting this answer correct. Uh, the the best thing oh. I had all year would have been the taco in the bag. Correct. Tailgate uh, <laughs> party. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a little difficult doing a game with sour cream on your knuckles, but I managed to, uh, to do. Well one. done. I thank you guys for that. Uh, as as far as in the booth goes, though, I'm going to give a, a the, the last place we went to is Winnipeg. I'm going to give them a shout out because they had a great meal on uh, pregame. Cost you ten bucks, but that's okay. I don't mind paying for it for a good meal. And and they also what Winnipeg does that no other team does anymore. And we used to get this is terrible, you know. It's like first world problems, right? I, I sound terrible saying this, but Winnipeg gives you a, a, a walkthrough meal too. You go when you go to walk through the, the day before the game and you do your interviews, they've got a spread set up, a sandwich spread, and everything set up for us at lunchtime. So I do appreciate that. Uh, and, and also a pretty good meal pregame as well. Uh, and those concession uh, items that the Elks were kind enough to bring us before every game, uh, I think for the first seven or eight home games this year, uh, they were all really good. I mean, uh, it's it's kind of cool that they're expanding the concession stands a little mm -hmm. bit and, and giving people some more options. So they, I enjoyed all of those as well. So uh, they were good. Uh, but if I'm just picking a meal in a press box, probably Winnipeg's is the best. Okay, okay. this was probably Ooh. a trap question from Chris. Uh, yes, the ice cream you sent our way was good too. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, thank you. Um, we'll we'll just get to more fan questions in and in probably an abbreviated uh, over time. But uh, I got to let these guys, uh, you know, find their way out of here before we leave. Uh, I mean, no one cares about the football games this week, but uh, let's pick some playoff games just for fun. Um, Davi, we've got uh, Calgary and BC and Hamilton at Montreal. Uh, who do you got in those games? Well, Calgary, enjoy your win because it's not going to happen again. Uh, BC is <laughs> going to win that game, and uh, the Alouettes will win uh, over the Tiger Cats. All right, Morley. Uh, Calgary will enjoy a second win in BC, Whoa. and uh, Montreal will win in the East. Wow, super fan. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think Montreal is going to win this one as well. I know a lot of people had thought that Hamilton had kind of turned it on in the last little bit, but I think Montreal is just going to be too strong. Uh it's just so hard without Vernon Adams. You just, you got to think Calgary's got that advantage, but if Vernon is playing, I got to give it to BC. All right. Commissioner. Ditto Morley. Oh no, sorry. 
Just kidding. Oh, I would I, never. I'm like, what? Oh, holy Burning man. Adams online too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, just join the chat. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Blocked for life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, no, I'm, all I'm, of a sudden, I'm... there's a big arm that comes and takes that jersey right out of your house. Yeah. No, nope, I love that. Yeah. I, I did OD 100%. All right, uh, and I am uh, I'm gonna go with uh, BC at home because I just can't pick those other horrible Kentucky Fried Chicken guys. So go uh, BC, and uh, and just to be a hundred percent, just to be different, I'm picking Hamilton. I think they could be on a roll, and you just never know. Uh, it's one game, right? So I I'm gonna pick Hamilton to to take that win and and. And then get trounced in the next round. Um, so that's that, that. But at least we have some picks when when the times come. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we always love doing the previews and the wrap ups with you. Uh, your insight is amazing, and it's always a wonderful chat. So tell everybody where they can find you on all of the interwebs to find all of your great stuff. Dave, we'll start with you. Uh, so on Twitter or whatever the heck Elon calls it now, uh, Dave <laughs> underscore Ched, uh, remind you of the Elks page on 630ched.com. Uh, you can find uh, the latest audio. Obviously, the season is done, so it'll be a little slower, but uh, enjoyed pumping a lot of audio and some stories onto that page this year. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. That was awesome. Yeah. Morley. On the Twitex, I am uh, Morley underscore Scott, uh, also on Instagram as well, the same. And uh, I'd uh, like to say uh, head to uh, head to where we get your podcasts. And after you download the Turf District, uh, you can uh, download Antler Up and have a listen to that. Uh, most of the interviews I did, even the last two years uh, through doing this, they'll stand up. And if you haven't heard them, they're not really game specific. So uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's athlete and story specific. So go back and listen to those and uh, more game specific stuff you can hear on uh, the uh, the CFL North podcast, which is a chorus podcast, which uh, I'm often on with uh, Derek Taylor and Dave McIver. Uh, I think we're taping this episode, an episode tomorrow, so uh, you can uh, you can listen to that as well. Uh, but uh, Morley underscore Scott on Twitter, feel free to uh, feel free to uh, hit me up there. And I'd just like to shout out to you guys, too, because I think you guys do a great job. Uh, one of the highlights of my week, uh, especially when we're doing road games, is going for my uh, going for my game day walk and listening to the Turf District. And and uh, I always learn something from you guys, and I always enjoy it. So shout out to you guys for your great work you do as yep. well. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate Tremendous. that. What was that, Dave? Tremendous. Oh, wow. That's. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I got that word in. That's. Amazing. I'm on I Instagram love. as well. I don't know. I'm Dave underscore Campbell 630, some darn thing like that. I don't know. <laughs> So you use it a lot. That's so enthusiastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's super right. excited about it. That's awesome. Uh, super fan. Where does everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, most of the socials at 56 Parkies. Uh, and then the history segment and Horde will be uploading some of these great pictures in the next couple of days at E-D-M-H-I-S-T-O-R-E-E. -E. Fantastic. Commissioner? Uh, solely on Twitter at Duchess Lombardi. And I apologize also to Morley and Dave for not getting an updated photo. I did, however, get a photo, but it was just the top of your heads because you were deep in conversation and it was after a loss. So who wants to talk about that? Nobody needs that. I don't know. Sour puts faces. Not as bald as some, but a couple of balls. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll be sure to edit it to you. 
Thagar right away. That's right. Yep. Uh, you can find me at Freak Delicious. You can find the show at the Turf District on all of your different social media platforms. Uh, and Blue Sky is still Turf District Pod, but you know, whatever, it's fine. You can find us there. Uh, we're we're, st- we're really working on that. Uh, we will be having. Oh yeah, and find us uh, at the Grey Cup. Uh, Kayla and I will be out there. Uh, sounds like the CFL fans fight cancer event is when Chris hair, Chris's hair is coming off and we are hoping to live stream that, uh, as he does that. Cause we did get our return touchdown and the hair going to a great cause in, uh, helping fight, uh, kids with cancer. So, uh, make sure that you are following along on our YouTube page so that, you know, when we go live with that, um, we will be um, back, uh, just the three of us will be back for a short overtime after this. Uh, so we'll let these gentlemen go to bed. Uh, but we will, like I said, we'll be on by next week. Uh, we will be back on November the 7th live. Uh, and we, I am hoping that the guests that I supposedly have lined up, it'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, and a lot of entertaining. So I would highly recommend joining us for that night. So for Morley, Dave, Super fan, my commissioner, Kayla. I'm Andrew. Remember, you can't catch footballs with your face, and we will absolutely talk to you next.